The wait for Game of Thrones Season 7 is almost over, but we are just getting started. Along the road to Westeros, our seven-part preview series, and I'm Rob Sestrino here with Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? I'm doing really well. I am bundled up. We are hanging out near, uh, we're reporting from right outside of Winterfell. Jon Snow has become too cool to let us into his hall. So we're just kind of uh, freezing our buns off out here. Yes, the highly anticipated winter is here and we're ready to go. Right. We have no chill, but now we We are freezing. (laughs) We're freezing. We're very cold. Yeah, it's, it kind of sucks to have winter here in the middle of summer. But uh, I don't know. Global warming. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What is it? How come everybody's talking about global warming and winter is here now? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Explain I don't know. That yeah, one. Take that. Yeah. Take that science. Okay, Josh, we are in a uh, very exciting position in the Game of Thrones timeline because uh, we may see multiple Starks all in the same spot coming into this season. And this is something that they have been separated, scattered uh, to all corners of the uh, Seven Kingdoms here at this point. And beyond, truly, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we got to see John and Sansa back together last season. Today we'll be talking about the possibilities of Arya and Bran also being together uh, with their siblings for the first time. So excited to get into that. If you missed the first part of our road to westeros podcast series you can get that when you subscribe to the podcast go to postshowrecaps.com slash g-o-t itunes for our game of thrones podcast feed josh how have you been I've been great. I've been really, really well. Uh, I'm very excited about what we're talking about today. The prospect of a Stark family reunion, which I feel like would be kind of a dull affair. Like, they're very, very moody, these Starks. I don't know, like, how exciting. No Dothraki wedding, certainly. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, I don't know what they're they're serving here in, in Winterfell at the Stark family reunion. Just like some really sad meat stew. Gotta have lemon cake. Yeah, some lemon. Well, it's gonna be a really sad lemon cake as well. I don't know what the lemon stores are like here in Winterfell. Sansa doesn't look like she's been eating lemon cakes anytime recently. I think she left those behind in King's Landing. You just gotta be happy that these people are gonna be together and just leave it there. I just don't think it's gonna be much of a party, Rob. Okay. Well, we left things with John and Sansa back in season six, but we still have the specter of Littlefinger and uh, what he wants. So before we get Arya and Bran in the picture, could you just give us a quick reset of what you think the state of the John and Sansa relationship is? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a lingering thread from season six that I'm I'm really curious to see how the narrative is going to tug on it. Um, we left season six with the big battle of the bastards with Jon Snow versus Ramsay Bolton and it was really Sansa calling in Littlefinger and the Knights of the Vale that saves the day. Uh, the fact that they show up and they can really beat back Ramsay's forces and Jon is able to to win in this fight against Ramsay. It's all, it all comes down to the fact that Sansa calls in a favor with Littlefinger. But Jon gets all the credit. Jon is the guy who gets, you know, hoisted upon everybody's shoulders and anointed the King of the North and Lyanna Mormont who is uh, awesome and will be returning for season seven. That's very exciting. She's really leading the charge on that. And everybody is so pumped to have Jon Snow as the person who is in charge here in the North. Everybody except for two people. It does not seem like Littlefinger is pumped about it. 
And it's questionable if Sansa's excited about it. There's a scene in the Godswood of Winterfell shortly before this moment where Jon is crowned the king in the north, where Littlefinger is basically saying to Sansa, like, the gist of it is, like, you should be queen in the north. Like, you should be the one in charge. You should be riding this thing with me. You and I should be climbing towards power together. I don't know why everyone is rallying behind Jon and why this is going to be a thing and why you would be okay with it. And in this moment that is otherwise very celebratory, not to mention that the audience just found out that Jon is connected to the Targaryens, so it's a very exciting time in Game of Thrones lore, Sansa just does not seem so psyched about it. And I don't know if she's still playing a game with Littlefinger or if she is kind of taking Littlefinger's words to heart and is starting to wonder yeah, maybe I should be the one who's in charge of this. You know, John is impulsive. John is stubborn. He doesn't really think outside of the box when it comes to calling shots. He's really the guy that almost gets everybody tanked when Rickon gets killed the way that he does, uh, when he is shot by Ramsay and John charges and breaks away from the strategy. So he's a hothead. And I don't know how much Sansa likes that. So I'm curious about that. What's your take on this, Rob? Do you think that Sansa is going to be pro Jon Snow or anti Jon Snow in the season ahead? I don't know if she's anti Jon Snow, but I definitely feel like that she has been on this very interesting apprenticeship with Littlefinger since the events of season four. And and really, since Lysa was pushed out the moon door, these two have been, uh, you know, having, you know, this uh, odd relationship where on again, off again, where we saw Littlefinger tried to reach out to her earlier in season six, and then she rejected him and said you know get out of here and then ultimately Littlefinger came back and saves the day my personal feeling on this is that I think Sansa will ultimately be the one who reigns in the north and I think that business will take John elsewhere whether it's first north to deal with the White Walkers and with the Night's King or ultimately South to be part of uh, who sits on the Iron Throne. Oh, so you think that John might have aspirations for a different throne? I think that John's business uh, first takes him to the North, and then I think that he ultimately is somehow connected to Daenerys, and if she ends up being the ruler on the Iron Throne, I could see him being a part of everything that's going on in King's Landing in the very end game, leaving Sansa to be the Queen in the North. Yeah, look, I've been on the Queen in the North train for a long time now. I love Sansa Stark. I think that she's really come into her own on the show uh, over the past several seasons and I would love that I think that that would be a really great development for the character and I think it's a likely one too I just wonder is that a peaceful transfer of power between John and Sansa if that ever arises or is it some sort of insurrection where Sansa channels her inner little finger and somehow overthrows John I would think not just because we've kind of been there with Jon Snow before, I don't feel like the big like counter alliance plan to to dethrone Jon. Like I don't know that that is necessarily turf we need to wade into again after everything that went down at the Night's Watch in season five. But who knows? History loves to repeat itself on Game of Thrones, and Starks love to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. So yeah, Jon John could really have blinders to what's coming his way if there is some sort of political wheeling and that's going in his way what i'm really pumped for i know that we're talking mostly about the starks here is i love having littlefinger and Jon snow in the same space right now that's a character dynamic i'm really excited to see play out it was so much fun 
back in season one when Littlefinger and Ned Stark would have scenes together and just the open disdain that Littlefinger and Ned both had for each other as they tried to play the polite game around each other and Ned had blinders on and didn't see Littlefinger coming. I can't wait to kind of see a retread of that between Littlefinger and John. And just because of where things are in the plot, my money would be on John pulling ahead of Littlefinger, but you never know with Littlefinger. So that's going to be a really fun character dynamic to watch as well. It's been great to see Littlefinger and Sansa together, but I really can't wait to see Littlefinger and John together this year. Okay, now John and Sansa, at least we saw together back in season six. So let's add some other Starks to uh, this bowl of brown as we uh, go bowl, along. This and bowl of bran. <laughs> bowl of bran. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to start with Arya because I think that that's the sort of the easier one to imagine in terms of the, or that, you know, she has some supernatural abilities in terms of stuff she learned uh, at the house in black and white. But it feels a little more straightforward just having Arya back. Back at Winterfell. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that I I think that my money is on Bran making it to Winterfell first. Uh, I just think that he's closer and his plot trajectory is really taking him to Winterfell. And I don't know what would stand in his way of getting back into John and Sansa's worlds fairly quickly, other than the fact that uh, this show has not been shy about sitting, you know, Bran out of an entire season. So maybe it would take a while for that reason. But for Arya, she's down at the twins. Last that we saw her, she killed Walder Frey. Let's just take a moment to say, whoop, whoop. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. That was great. But what is Arya going to do next? And I think that we're not entirely sure what's going on with Arya right now. It could be as simple as Arya is going to ride back north. She's going to catch wind of what's going on with with Jon and Sansa being back in charge of Winterfell. And she's going to want to ride up there and reunite with them now that she thinks that it's a safe space. Uh, Also, she can take care of herself and she should be pretty fine on the King's Road because she's a badass. Uh, But... Is she also more concerned about, you know, crossing the remaining names off of her list? Revenge she, tour. Right. Is it the revenge tour that she is on? You know, is she going to be on the revenge road of Westeros? Is she going to go down to King's Landing and try and finish off Cersei Lannister and, you know, take care of everybody who's down there that played any role in destroying the Starks? So that's why I'm a little bit concerned uh, about the Arya aspect of a Stark family reunion. She is actually the one that I'm not so sure will make it to Winterfell anytime soon if she makes it there at all this season. I would bet that she does just because the possibility of having all four of the surviving Stark kids in the same room together for the first time since season one. I think that's too intriguing to drop right now. But I think that Arya would be the one of those four that I would question whether she's going to make it to Winterfell this year. Yeah, I think that the frustrating thing would be that, I mean, she's already at the Twins. I know. She's already like halfway there. Just go, just go north. Just keep going. But just keep I, going. I definitely, <laughs> I could see her potentially saying, okay, well, I got to go after Cersei now. So time to go south and time to, you know, cross more names off my list before I can go north. But I, the, the Arya and John relationship uh, has always been a good one. And uh, we know from the first couple episodes of John was the one who, had needle made up for Arya so you feel like that if there was any friction between Sansa and Jon maybe Arya could help alleviate some of that 
Well, yeah, but Sansa and Arya have their own friction that they'll have to deal with, which is kind but of maybe fun. they grew out of it. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it's the kind of thing that like all of those petty grievances that existed between the siblings are going to be gone now because everybody's been really steeled by their experiences. Everybody's been, uh, you know, everybody's been forced to grow up in some pretty serious ways. They've, they've seen awful things along their journeys. And maybe by the time that Arya and Sansa get back together, uh, just what they've been through and the fact that against all odds, they're still alive and they're still together like that will help them overcome a lot but they used to hate each other like they like you know sansa really would get a good hate in aria and vice versa so i'm excited about that but the last time we saw sansa and john when we saw you know two siblings in this family reunite sansa was pretty open about like yeah i was horrible to you i'm so sorry and john's like yeah it's totally cool like we're together now it's fine so mm-hmm. for john, john and aria that's really exciting you can't imagine that there's going to be too much uh too much friction there like those are two people that were always on the same page and i think that they'll be pretty united in whatever cause they choose to join in together on and i think that probably maturity will win the day with sansa and aria as well but i don't know i mean just even setting up the idea of aria as the peacemaker right like that's just not what you think of when you think of aria so i don't know that she would be a bridge between john and sansa uh, so much as just like another combustible ingredient to throw into that cocktail but Sansa has changed so much uh, since those early days where Arya has, you know, still always been Arya. But Sansa is a completely different person than she was uh, in the first season when she was just about, you know, what prince am I going to marry? And she was wanting to, you know, uh, run off with Joffrey and have beautiful children with him. So I, I think that she has probably matured so much. And I think just the idea of seeing a family member uh, or having another part of her family uh, brought back into the mix. I, I just think that the, there's too much here, yeah. too much shared history for these characters. You know what's going to be amazing is, and this could lead us into talking about Bran as well, it's just like, how is Arya like going to tell everybody like what she's been up to? She's like, oh, guys, by the way, like this is like two hours into like reuniting. Like, guys, I can also uh, I can change my face. You want to see like you want to see this really cool trick that I could do? I know that I was already poo pooing the Stark party, but now I feel like this is a cool party trick that she can show off her faceless assassin skills. And what's Bran going to do? He's like, guys, I can see the future. It's uh, it's really neat. And this is going to be very useful for us. Yeah. And John is like, uh, also, did I mention that I was dead and I yeah, came I back? To life. Remember uh, when Sansa, I died? what have you uh, what have you been doing? Like eating uh, lemon cakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's been through some stuff. I was engaged to a monster and then I married a monster and I've been tutored by a monster. So I've been yes. in Monsters University. <laughs> but she's been the one that doesn't have any sort of like supernatural ability. I know, yeah. Just the supernatural ability of being awesome. Except when she's uh Jean Grey. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, in another universe on the Dark Phoenix, mm-hmm. I don't know if that does anything yeah. for you. So I guess then let's bring Bran into this, because for me, that uh, why are we assuming that Bran's destination is Winterfell? I mean, he has been, you know, uh, given all of these powers and he has uh, so much on his plate is it that he needs the the army that in the north to uh, take on what's going on with the Night's King? 
I think all roads lead back to Winterfell for Bran right now. And I think that that was a big piece of season six for me. You know, the training that Bran was doing under the three-eyed raven and Bran was seeing visions of the past, seeing visions of Winterfell and what it was like when Hodor was just a young Willis or when his father was a young Ned Stark and Benjen and we saw Lyanna Stark that way. And then we saw the Tower of Joy and Bran walks away with the discovery, assuming he interpreted it correctly. And I would, I would guess that they're just going to kind of yada yada through that stuff. It would be really annoying to have Bran in the dark about what he saw with John being born by Lyanna while the audience already knows what's going on there. So let's just assume that Bran has figured that out. Then he's got to bring that information back to Jon Snow. And I think that just by virtue of the fact that the Three-Eyed Raven was trying to show him this stuff should suggest to Bran that this is important information to relay. My destiny is back at home. My destiny is with my siblings and we're going to fight this war together. Where else is Bran going to? I mean, he is headed toward the wall. That is where he was headed as of season six's finale. And how much further do you go, you know, past the wall if you're not going to Winterfell? Like, you could hang out at Castle Black for a while and maybe we get an episode or two of uh, Dolores Ed and Bran just hanging out at the wall, but that feels like an Mm -hmm. odd character combination. So I expect that Bran will be at Winterfell pretty quickly into Bran's story, unless Bran just gets killed off, you know, before he can even reach the wall, which maybe we shouldn't take completely off the table, given the odds that are against him right now. But I think that destiny is pushing him towards Winterfell. I think this is how John is going to find out about his Targaryen lineage. And that will connect him in a very interesting way to Danny. Whenever those, but in terms of the Knights King, how does John find, Finding out about who his true parents are change anything like why is that so important for Bran to deliver that message to John? So John finds out that he is part Targaryen. John also finds out that there is a Targaryen queen who has hit Westeros and she's got three dragons. And John has seen what fire can do to White Walkers and potentially what uh, Valyrian magic can do to to the true White Walkers. You know, he smashed one to bits with one swing of Longclaw. He can do the math on that and be like, oh, I need an alliance with Daenerys Targaryen to help me destroy the White Walkers. And now I have something that connects the two of us together. We've got shared history. We're ready relatives here. So I think that having that information could only help the negotiations between John and Danny. So if nothing else, I think that's a piece And then of how would that ultimately work? Because we would imagine that Danny is going to be landing somewhere in the south. Does Is this by Raven or is this, do we need to send somebody physically to go and uh, negotiate that treaty? So this is one of the things that I'm really excited about with season seven, and maybe your mileage will vary on whether or not or Varys, whether or not you're into this, but much like season one, where things moved really, really quickly, where you had Catelyn Stark being in Winterfell in one episode and then in King's Landing in another episode and then back in the north within that same episode. Like people moved fast. There was a lot of travel by map going on back in the season one days. And by all accounts, it's going to be similar here in season seven with uh, fewer characters on the board now that so many people have been killed and with a lot of stories collapsing and combining. I think you're going to see people move around quicker. So I think that you could see if Danny arrives south. I don't think that it would be out of the realm of possibility for John to get there himself. I don't think that it would have to be by Raven. I think that things are going to move a little bit faster in season seven, which is great given the shortened episode order that things will be moving at a little bit of a yeah. brisker clip. Possibly also you could have Danny just like make the trip up to Winterfell by dragon and then uh, really uh, yar exactly. yar the whole thing. 
Yeah, I think you could yara yara through a lot of that. So I think that a lot of that, like, we're keeping people really far apart because it's not realistic for them to get to each other quickly. I think that the show might start violating some of those rules, and I will allow that. You know, anything that keeps things moving at a faster momentum. Look, we've only got 13 episodes left here. Let's keep things going. So I'll be on board with that. Okay, so really exciting to see where we go in terms of uh, the Stark storyline. Uh, anything else on Arya in terms of the revenge storyline? And in terms of uh, what she's trying to accomplish with her list of names, she still has Cersei. Who else is on the list? The Mountain? I know that the Mountain is still on there. She's still got a, a you know a good little mess of people that she's got to, that she's got to take care of. The thing about Arya that I and I guess again this extends to Bran is because Arya and Bran are the younger siblings, uh, and they they also are two of the deadliest. You know, Bran's powers are pretty incredible. They're very useful. He can warg into people. He can see through time. And Arya is a genuine assassin. You know, she trained at the top assassin school in the entire world of ice and fire at this point and she's very dangerous but will like john utilize those skills or is he going to be very protective of his siblings is he going to let them do what they are really trained to do that's going to be a fun little tension is like you're out in the world you're an adult by all intents and purposes at this point just based on your experiences but now you're back under the supervision of an older stark sibling is that going to be you know are, are john and sansa going to be like you know the the dad and mom of the group and are Arya and bran going to feel real pigeonholed and you know handcuffed in terms of what they've come here to do. So I think that there will be some tension there as well. Okay. Very excited to uh, keep moving along here on the road to Westeros because what we have coming up in our third part, it's time to take a look at what Danny is up to and all of the forces working with Danny and trying to come up with some of the ideas of how this is Game of Thrones. Something's going to go wrong. What could it be? And uh, maybe it's going to be that Danny forgot something in Marine and we have to go back and then uh, reset all of that. No. But something's, oh, <laughs> something uh, will not go smoothly for Danny and her big coalition headed to Westeros. We will explore that in our third part here of The Road to Westeros. So again, that link to subscribe to the podcast, go to postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. And the biggest thing that you could do to help us out here in the preseason season is to leave us stark ratings and yes feedback we want those stark ratings in the itunes star and uh you know that uh ideally you know there's only four starks left but uh you can give us uh whatever your honest opinion is of this podcast yeah you could give uh your honorary uh your fifth stark to benjamin yeah. benjamin's still out there technically yes, you know you think we'll see benjamin again this year do you think he's gonna come back now that we got him back in the mix in season I mean, six it feels like that we are going to be spending enough time north of the wall that we could see a uh, another uh benjamin appearance That'd be fun. I would like Get that. to come back. Okay. And of course, uh, follow everything that Josh Wiggler is doing uh, for The Hollywood Reporter on Twitter. He is at Ron Howard. I'm at Rob Sestrino. Josh, anything else about the Starks? No, let's start thinking about some dragons. We got some dragons to discuss. Okay. Dragons, Danny, and more coming up on the third part of the Road to Westeros podcast series. Talk to you then.